Happy New Year. We're back with you guys for um, the 2015 season of um, first season finale. We are on iTunes, we've been on SoundCloud, and I made this little theme song. Uh, that's, that's Adam to my left. It's a little cheesy, but I, I made it very quickly on my iPhone. Um, we'll see if it fits. It might not fit. And then Erica's to my right. Hello. So everyone, how's it going? We we have been we've been off the air for two. No, we've been like off the oh, air for a weeks. month. Yeah. 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 It's good to be back. Yeah. I am looking forward to a new year. Yeah. January is the best. I always dread it, but then... Clean slate. Yeah. And, like, everyone is in the same position of being, like... Depressed. Depressed, and so I fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> everyone has motivated Come to themselves my level. down to your level. <laughs> so I'm feeling like, okay, great. <laughs> let us walk hand in hand into the future. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um... Sorry about that, Erica. Making Erica go turn off the heater so we can get a better recording. As you might have guessed, we're not in a professional sound studio. And it's very cold. Yeah, let's outside. talk about that for a second. Uh, I read that some parts of Canada are colder than Mars. Wait. <laughs> I know we're not in Canada, but we're near it. And we're not on Mars. What, what does that mean? Can you, break in, that? Can you use some numbers in there? Uh, the temperatures dropped in parts of Canada that were lower than what they recorded in uh, on Mars. Oh, really? Yes. Can't, but you don't have a number, though. I, I don't remember it. So for our Canadian listeners... <laughs> <laughs> That's a reason to not go to Canada and a reason not to go to Mars. Yeah. Yeah, do you, get, do you guys have any Canadian friends? I do. I actually spent time with one over the break. Oh, yeah? Who is that? I traveled with her in Thailand, and she just was in New York. I haven't seen her in eight years. Okay. I guess I know a couple of Canadians. I know somebody who, their family immigrated to Canada. So technically he's from Canada, but he's not Canadian. Yeah. My sister got her Canadian citizenship when she was having trouble getting an American one. They do this interesting thing, the way you can just, like, sort of buy one. They have, like, a point system. And I was doing the other day that they set it up to both create an immigration system to get qualified people, and I uh, think the system doesn't discriminate. It's like if you get the points, you got the points, and then you're in. Um, so that's maybe why Canada is such a nice, diverse country that it is these days. But it's cold. But it's colder than Mars, so... Yeah, and you can't do anything about that. It's like, if Canada and the United States could switch spots, then I might be envious of Canada on anything. But the fact that it, like, it starts off as, like, fucking cold and gets worse, like, so all the good things that they do have, like, I don't envy them, because it starts with, like, it's cold. <laughs> because it's north of right. uh, New York. Yeah. Do you, do you think uh, that being so far north and being so cold is directly tied to their goodliness? Like, do you think hot countries are destined no. to be, like, chaotic? Have you ever met a Russian? Yeah. They're not easy to be with. That's true. No, that's a good, really good point. 
Question yeah. answered. That was, yeah, that was a definitive no. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, speaking of Canadians, yes. uh, the star of the show we are going to watch is maybe yeah. my favorite Canadian. Who is that? Michael J. Fox. He's Canadian? Mm-hmm. Born and bred. <laughs> when, okay, so I understand what born means. Like, what does bred mean? Like, the fucking he happened? He plays hockey. In, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And born means you were not anymore born. though. Bread right? means not like anymore. you like you were raised there. Oh okay. Although breeding up sort of to me implies like the the conception or something, you know. It well, implies like the time before you were born rather than the time after. But although it makes sense. Well, it means that maybe your parents are Canadian too. Oh okay. The pedigree goes back. Pedigree, the estate. Wonder how ashamed. Michael J. Fox is of Justin Bieber, and if he's ever tried to reach out and be like, hey man, cool it. That is a good question. Like, bring it down a notch. Why do you, because you think, like, Michael J. Fox feels like a sense of, of I am the old master on how to navigate these United States? Yeah, but also it's like, he's an embarrassment to Canada, right? Or not, uh, Justin Bieber is <laughs> an embarrassment to Canada right now. Oh, as, like, a, as a Canadian. Be, because like, of his behavior. I'm not talking about his music or his talent. Like, yeah. that is outside of it. I'm talking, like, specifically behavior, driving, running around drunk, like, pulling bullshit, being a he, dick. He's, yeah, so much that I didn't even know he was Canadian. Right. I, he was I, acting like such I an American. I thought he was straight up California <laughs> asshole. Like, or L.A., Miami. Yeah. yeah. Pick one. No. Do you, do you think? That guy's not bred Canadian. <laughs> he's not bred Canadian. Do you think he's the worst Canadian out there? No, there's going to be a worse one. Oh. Well, the mayor of Toronto. Yeah. The Canadians had a bad 2014. Like a lot of people, they had a bad 2014. Right? Rob Ford, his crack uh, problem. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I think that the saddest Canadian I have ever felt for was the UN security force in Somalia. He was a Canadian, ah. the general in charge, and like he wanted to do all this stuff. He wanted to help out, but like they wouldn't let him, or like he couldn't. They couldn't. They yeah. Couldn't. And when he got back to Canada, I think maybe a few years later, he blew his head off. Whoa. Ooh. Yeah. Whoa! I didn't know about this. Sad Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> they take their job very seriously. That's our. Uh, that's our other podcast. Yeah. The yeah. sad Canadians. American would have just lied about it. It's like, yeah, I saved all these people. Yeah, I saved them all. Yeah, totally. Half of them are still alive. Apparently, the that terrible Clint Eastwood movie, American Sniper, oh. uh, that guy told a ton of lies. Like, and the movie does not go into any of it. The whole story is just sort of fabricated, uh, and it's well known to a lot of people. I, mean, I don't. I'm not familiar with this. He's supposed to be this great sniper. I think the New Yorker did a story about him. Mm-hmm. And that got turned in. This is all hearsay, but welcome to our podcast. Um, you know what a funny thing is? When I lived in Stanford, Connecticut, I would go drinking at this bar. And one day this guy showed up. He started dating like one of the girls who either worked there or like always hung out there. And he would, had been a sniper in Iraq. And everyone would buy him drinks and like really like slap him on the back. And he would tell these tales of like the shit hitting the fan and like how fucked it was. He's lying. Never left the country. Yeah. Never in the fucking military. Wow. wow, I like that. And that guy had the audacity to show up to the bar one more time. Whoa. And everyone was like, fuck you, get out of here. Like, wow. It was like... 
How did it get found out? I for I forget how it got found out. Like I think she, she broke up with him because uh-huh. the guy's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. She broke up with him, and like she had found out and told everybody, and then like he admitted to it that like he had never gone anywhere. Wow. Yeah, that happens quite often, or you hear stories like that quite often. Uh, people faking military resumes, uh, claiming military service, and and I think you know society as a whole is to blame. Like, if people at the bar are going to be buying you drinks. At the drop of a hat, if sure, you say that, how are you not supposed to lie about it? No, I mean, it takes some fucking balls. Up. Like, what if there was somebody who was there who was in those areas and was like, dude, you weren't fucking, yeah. like, that guy no, would no, but, kill him. But, but, but what is this urge to buy a sniper drinks at the bar? Like, this whole, thanks for protecting our freedom over there nonsense. Oh, this was back in, this would, would have been around 2004. For 2005. The first Gulf War. The, 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 like, uh, you know, like, early on in the Gulf War. Yeah. And, like, there was, like, this feeling of, of, I'm buying you a drink because I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I, I can remember because it was, like, we're sorry we sent you there. Yeah. I don't even think okay. that it's, like, it would, out yeah. of pride. It's also just out of respect for someone who went who, through who some went. serious stuff. Well, we didn't. In the name of this country. When we sent yeah. people... In when the I name. see people in the military coming back, I, you know, I have very liberal ideas mm-hmm. about war and everything like that, but when I actually talk to someone who did it, mm-hmm. all those things go away because I have respect for that human being. So I think that's what... He was looking for respect. Obviously, we had to lie to all these strangers he has no respect for himself so he was looking for some sort of <laughs> you know way to sleep at night he, he turned that into a Oprah parable right? <laughs> but, um, no um, well I'm, I'm maybe I should let it go but I, I, I it troubles me this whole both you know the I don't know if either of these things are true but you know both the feel sorry for the service person it's a it's a volunteer army and there are a lot of things for, you know, I don't know, but, you know, for every one guy that has it hard, there's a whole entire welfare state built up for service people. In a way, there isn't for anybody else. They, they, you know who gets socialism in America? The military. <laughs> That's the socialism in America. Okay, Everything's you know taken care of them. Fuck it. Next time I see a vet, I'm going to spit in his face. Is that what you're like? What? I bet yes, they don't. Yes, Adam. That's exactly. Like, that's exactly. Like, I'm, I'm sure they're not having this conversation in Canada. Because their whole country is welfare state? They're just more civil. <laughs> You're saying something about my Tony. No, the, re- the, reason, <laughs> the reason I bring it up is uh, Louis did this. I uh, saw Louis C.K. this week, which was pretty good. Uh, he did this one funny bit that I really liked. It was about, um, he's ta- you know, he talks about his daughter somewhere in the middle of the show. And so they're nine and, tw- uh, nine and 12 now. He's talking about the younger one. He's like, She's nine, and she's, like, learning to lie. And he's like, you know, as a parent, he's really conflicted because on one hand, lying is bad, but lying is so useful. And And, good. Yeah, and he's like, so how am I supposed to tell her that, like, when some crazy adult is yelling at her, don't lie because it gets you out of that moment, but at the same time, don't be a liar. Well, it's it's that fine road. And to talk about Louis C.K., 
people buy that asshole drinks at the end of the, his fucking little skit when he's being paid for it. He's got a lot of money. So if I can't buy a fucking vet a drink, <laughs> fuck Louis C.K. and his parable about lying. <laughs> <laughs> this was at Madison Square Garden. I don't think anyone brought him a drink after. Oh, actually, he did joke about it. He did, uh, he did joke about how one time he was playing a, a show in the south or oh yeah he's like north carolina and he's like uh the manager was like what's your shot policy and he's like what do you mean he's like what's your shot policy he's like well can you please explain he's like you know the customers like to buy the uh the comedians a shot so should i bring up a shot or you just want some water and he's like how about you just not do that and then he went on and on about how that was... I guess I'm missing the part that made it funny. Well, uh, what I would do in that situation, being me, because I've done this in the past, going to this one bar, often they will give me like free drinks that I don't want. It was usually Maker's Mark. So I'll just, wow. I will pour it into a glass that I've brought and put a lid on it. <laughs> and take it home. And take it home. Oh, I don't want to waste good. it. Yeah, uh, they, what bar is this, Adam? Can you name it on, on record here? Uh, the name that I call it is Onyx, but that oh, is that the bar. official name. Yes. Oh, we were there uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Across from your studio. Right. Like, yeah. so, everyone, and it's... Oh, yeah, you know this bar, too. I know that like, bar. They will give me a very large pour, and it's like, fuck, I'm just in here after work for 15 minutes yeah. to unwind. I don't want to be a distillery by the time I get home, you know, like... Yeah. So it's like, I got my little jar and fill it up, close off the top. If I want to sip on the subway, it's there. Uh, Emily's like, why do you have these things? And I'm just like, what do you do with your free shots? And like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. It's a New York problem. <laughs> it's an Adam problem. It's, <laughs> It's, it's fine. I don't have this problem. It's I want to have this problem now. It makes uh, sense because at my bar where they buy me drinks, it's always after I've like had too enough. Many. Too much, right. So bring in a glass. Let me yeah. have a nice screw on top. Mm-hmm. Mason jar. Mason jar. Just have it. Do a Brooklyn style. I try to go plastic because I don't want to break it. <laughs> You've thought this through. You have to think these things through. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm not... Were you going to leave the drink there? <laughs> yes, I don't know. Are you going to dr- Are you gonna be irresponsible and drink it? <laughs> are you going to be like a spendthrift? Or like, a, what, what, when you throw money around? Some oh, idiot yeah. and just like word? leave the drink there? No. The right, you're saying the right thing to do. The right thing to do <laughs> is to carry some sort of device and pour the extra shot into it and leave oh, man. in a timely manner. Because saying no is just not an option <laughs> anywhere and, along the No, time. it makes these people feel good to oh, give. You do that. <laughs> That's a community service. Like, you can't just take oh, man. that away from them. Wow. Yeah. You are you are a saint. Thank you. <laughs> we should buy you a drink. <laughs> Thank you. For your service. For your service to this country. <laughs> Cheers to you, sir. <laughs> Hope you're not lying about this. One shot, one kill. <laughs> oh man, I hope no one in the armed services listens to this podcast. Uh, we salute you and respect you. Yeah, I. I, I you know, um, I did meet a, a Navy SEAL. You know, those uh, we were talking about that picture from Columbus Circle. Uh, it was Licia's uh, cousin's husband, who 
It was a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And I think did some of those things that people talk about doing. But he, uh, he, has, a, he has sort of a nonchalance and a, a sense like of it, which is very like, yeah, it happened, it's crazy, whatever. It's in the past. He's, he's like, he's a professional about it. Let's think cool. like, they are professionals. That, that, that yeah, the guys that are at the bar telling stories for free drinks are, probably didn't do it because they can't seem to be professional about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Your bullshit meter should have gone out. Just well, saying. If, if this is over 10 years ago, 11 years ago. <laughs> Before we were sending Yeah, I, I just, I, a young Adam Payne leaving New Hampshire. He didn't know about bringing a bottle with him. Didn't know, I did not know about bringing the bottle. <laughs> and, yeah. Young I Adam Payne. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> never forget, Adam, never forget. Oh, I won't. So uh, we should we should try to talk a little bit about uh, what is it family ties? So family ties. So we know Michael J. Fox is in it. What else is on the ties? Who? Who? Else? Else? I don't know their names. It's a white family. Yes. I'm assuming because we said Michael J. Fox. If I can remember the plot, uh, it's a hippie family, and their son Michael J. Fox is a Reagan era Republican, and so there's Ooh, love it. So there's a lot of conflict with that that's just silly. Um, I wonder if he's a young conservative. I, I love I love the I love politics as our listeners may be able to guess, but the Republicans have this great job of recruiting young people into the fold, mm-hmm. and that's why they have such dominance now. They like uh, started college clubs, high school clubs, and really built this. Um, According to what I read, like sort of this, a little army of uh, like-minded uh, thing, and sometimes mm-hmm. you see that even now in Fox News. A couple of years ago, there was this like sixteen-year-old that they made this like young conservative pundit, you know. And, yeah, like, I don't. Uh, they love this kind of I stuff. I don't understand this. Like, why? Why would that kid be interested in politics? Or why are any of these young people interested? In politics? Is anyone interested in it? That's a good boring. Oh, don't do that. Don't say that. It's just not my cup of tea. Years. In college, it's, it, I had a roommate who was in like the like that stupid Republican club. Oh like, really? Like young Republicans and yeah, that's that's what it's called, young Republicans. Yes. But it was odd because like he was a member of Young Republicans and the uh, what's the one about civil liberties? ACLU. ACLU. Oh yeah, he's a libertarian. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he was in both. Oh yeah, they're the worst. They're the biggest assholes. Fuck you, man. Yeah, like, totally. No, it's totally true. Yeah, I knew some people in college actually in those groups. Yeah, and, and it was terrible. very strange. Yeah, the the way the the area where libertarianism and conservatism combine together is this really dark area that says, "I've already got mine, and no one can touch it, and I should be able to just keep it and use whatever force or power I want." Yeah, but there's also another side of libertarianism where it's like, "Yeah, you can do whatever you want too." So like, yeah, except they, they they use that as a way to for it to sound like their equal opportunity thing, but it's oft, always coming from a privileged white male perspective that says, oh, I you can have yours. You have nothing. You, by the way, have nothing. You're impoverished. Uh, government's not going to help you. No one can help you because we believe in libertarianism, but I get to keep mine. And it doesn't matter how I got mine. Don't ask questions because it's libertarianism, remember? No, no, history didn't happen. Slavery didn't happen. All that stuff happened. I should just be able to keep mine. And that's where these, like, conservatives and libertarians come together in this, like, really unholy mix of uh, privilege and, like, you know, 
being wanting to be left alone. Yeah, but if we could, like, shuck the oyster of the like, <laughs> oh, like love the, this metaphor, <laughs> conservative Christian aspect of the Republican Party, and replace it with the like the uh, you do what you want ideals of libertarianism, I'd be for that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's. I can see the appeal of it, and it seems to appeal a lot of people. And I think a lot of liberals talk, you know, look at people like Paul Ryan and say, "Oh, he seems so reasonable." Except it doesn't ever uh, make the world a better place. And for people who've been historically wronged, it's a it does them a very big disservice. Uh, Christian conservatism or Christian Christianity didn't always it wasn't always like this backwards thing. It used to be a very progressive no, 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 like, movement. Like that has done things like abolish slavery and you know right but I'm talking about the the modern or like the yeah the modern version yeah version oh yeah are you saying of the Republican Party like of what what should we do with that party yeah I'll take yeah, that yeah but, that's what I'm saying okay but get I want the that. whole spectrum of liberals and progressives too oh sure okay I we gotta get to this thing <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry yeah I'm sorry thank uh, you 1982 to 1989 okay. Can we look at the episode and see what's uh, what's going on here? This episode is pronounced in a weird fashion. That's the Apple TV. So it's on uh, Netflix. Oh yeah, how do you say that? Elsie Dark, Dark Dark. Steve and Elsie clash when Elsie's busy schedule keeps them from spending any time together. Yeah, it looks Ooh. like the Arc the Triumph kind of spelling there. A common problem amongst modern families. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we are going to um, watch this and come back to you guys. And let me try playing the theme song as we... Uh, this is a little iffy here. Got to get the Bluetooth set up. Um, but I got to get into this practice. All right. So we're going to try to play the theme song out to our... Oh. There we go. I feel so happy about myself. Alright, get into that. And uh, when you hear the music again, we'll be back. I guess for you, it will not stop. Okay. When the music stops, we are back. Maybe that's the yeah, way to duck, say it. Duck, duck, goose. Musical right. chairs. Yeah. Good dog. Uh, is that what it says? Mm-hmm. So that was the end of uh, family ties. Ma- family ties. Family matters. Family ties. Uh, do you want to talk about the <laughs> Adam? Do you want to talk about the plot of this? This is like a multi-camera family sitcom with the studio audience. Thirty minutes. Twenty-three. 23 minutes. Uh, the plot, like, a very simple plot when you boil it down, which yes. is, um, what's the wife's name? Elise. Elise, Elise. is uh, very involved in politics and in the community, and she has a lot on her plate with the family and with local politics. Mm-hmm. And the husband, Stephen. Mm-hmm has just won a Murray Award for a documentary <laughs> that they have on PBS called, called? The Egret's Regrets. <laughs> and he wants... Best joke on the, the episode. Best joke. And, he wants and they use it 
five times. Five times. It doesn't get old. It doesn't right? get it old. Kind of stays. No. And he and he wants to celebrate. Yes. And this occurs over the course of two days. Yes. And in in this, this two days, he's like trying to make time to celebrate this, but she's so busy that she cannot. They have an argument, and then the last part of the episode is them like making up over this argument, but them trying to make up her politics and life still keeps getting in the way but they at the end come to an understanding that yes they still love each other and that shit's hard and they have to work through it and appreciate each other when they can mm-hmm. basically um, Erica do you want to talk about the kids because uh, it's sort of a subplot to this episode they have uh, three kids uh, a son and two daughters and the youngest daughter, I don't remember her name. Does anyone? No. No. They even had a small part, unfortunately, because I let's, thought they were pretty call funny. Her Rudy. Rudy. She, uh, Michael J. Fox's character, who was named Alex, yes, is right. is trying to convince her to clean his room, um, using a lot of, um, what would you call them? Like Republican terms? Like yeah. he's yeah, making philosophy. They're, uh, they're like Republican economic fear mongering. And talking points. Yeah. That inflation is going to reduce the. It's very like. Uh, I, I, I can bet that the jokes were funny to the in studio audience because they were probably coming up in the news mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, inflationary pressures on wages. I thought it was funny it was anyway. Funny, yeah. Because um, it's the youngest daughter, and she's just reacting in a kind of a mature adult way to his 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 he's trying to trick her to clean his room mm-hmm. um, for a quarter. For a quarter, yeah. And then the older sister. The older sister, who is Justine Bateman, Jason Bateman's uh, sister. She what? She didn't have any subplot. She did. She uh, she was one of the things that uh, made the mother's schedule so busy. Oh, because she wanted to do yoga. Mother-daughter yoga night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then she had a couple of uh, one-liners. But yeah, generally there was no subplot, which is sort of uh, interesting for a sitcom to put the attention on the mom and the dad for the entire 22 minutes. There was a lot in there, though. Yeah, there was a lot in there. So let's let's get into it a little bit. uh, the dad is a PBS producer, as Adam said, and he won this award. Uh, even though they're both liberals, and you, you sort of get the backstory in the intro of the show, they're shown as hippies in the 60s and the 70s with long hair and a hippie wedding. Um, it seems like mom is still more engaged with the movement and on a, on a sort of... Um, uh, uh, organizing side, she's actually like doing boots stuff. Boots on the ground type of deal. Yeah, where he seems to be more of the abstract. Yeah, but they're both professionals at this point. Uh, she still seems more connected with the movement. He has a liberal job, which is you know producer for PBS, but he's sort of less caught up in all the issues of the day, and that that affects his complaint because she is busy with the movement. He just wants to have a traditional husband and wife uh, dinner romantic dinner kind of thing and it's being well, thwarted it's like, that, that's what they keep saying but it's basically just hinting at having sex that, that, that is, like, like that's yeah. the like, end result of like him celebrating his reward uh, his yeah. award of getting this trophy is can we fuck please <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all I want and yeah. 
yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I got to say, the, the, the wife is very beautiful. Um, and her last attempt to mend fences is uh, cooking him a dinner and wearing this, like, really, I don't know if you say beautiful, but a dress. A special, a, a, definitely. Yeah, a, a special like dress. Special dress. With like, a little bit of cleavage. Sure. And, uh a cologne that the women recognize called Ravish Me. <laughs> Which, uh, Which I think, was, was that just like a fake, like, you know, like, it's like a, a girl who has like these like nice black boots or like fuck me boots. Yeah. That's not the name of the boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's no, like a it's, term. It's like, I guess it's strong. It means like... No, but I think in this one they actually meant it to be the name of the, oh, co- the, name. Of the cologne. I think they were, uh, the scent. I think they were making fun of uh, sort of designer scent that would probably starting to come out you know uh, mm-hmm. there's always been Chanel number no. 5 but you know all these like American ones started to yeah. come out with these bizarro names yeah uh, ravish me <laughs> sounds a little too strong but right. I think that's the joke version of it well it's the one thing that struck me like, just throughout the entire thing was like cause Erica you mentioned before that they like these two hippies and like now they have this family and it's like this family is doing pretty well for themselves. Been, yeah. They have a nice house. They have very a very nice, nice house. house. Um, and he's trying to get a reservation at Guido's, <laughs> which I guess <laughs> is a fancy restaurant. <laughs> and, like, he knows Guido, the guy who owns it or whatnot. Right, so, he's getting like, the special window. Yeah, so, so he obviously, like, they have a, they have a, a class. They're at yeah, a class. This, this precipitates the uh, fighting, is them not being able to go out to dinner to Guido's. Yeah, they they are they are sort of the the aristocratic liberals. Like, yeah. um, it, it's it's out of uh, conviction and the privilege of having time and money to be engaged with issues. They do have that air to them. Um, he's like a skinny, tall, white guy. Uh, she's a blonde, you know, beautiful white lady. They're not the liberals who have come up from the bottom. They're de- they feel like right. Like she shaves in. her legs. He like shaves his face like they're mm-hmm. not like yeah. hippies living in a van like, yeah. or, or that or, or you know impoverished right. like mm-hmm. brown kids who have like decided that they want to join the movement um, and in that way they're, 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 they're sort of interestingly engaged because when the final uh, resolution happens um, she, she gives a speech where she's like you know of all the people I could be fighting with I'm glad to be fighting with you and she talks about how women uh, before her had been raised to to put their husbands on a pedestal and there's a funny moment where you know he's sort of like you know that wouldn't be so bad uh, but you know he comes to his senses and that feels a like a pretty honest and direct yet at the same time funny moment to have which is you know what uh, what we want from our partners and what modern relationships are like um, well, I also think that it's making a statement because the oldest son is a young Republican. Like, I, they're making a statement of they came from that, but in the time, in the 80s, like, there wasn't any place for that. There wasn't any space. So they had yeah. to be professional and they had to kind of adapt to these ideals. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, there still isn't, right? I mean, the joke's on us because guys like Michael J. Fox won the cultural battles of the era, uh, people like the parents lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, being liberals like that 
isn't something that privileged people go in, you know, or like go into the same way. I mean, people are even afraid to say the word liberal anymore. Mm-hmm. No one calls themselves liberals. If they want to say, they'll say progressive, but they won't say liberal anymore. Yeah. I'm uh, progressive. Yeah, which is <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're ahead of the liberals, is that what you mean? Um, yeah, it is sort of interesting looking back, and I wonder if the creators of the show, where they would place themselves on the political spectrum, are they are they with the parents? Um, are they sort of in the middle looking at how what's happening? I, I can't imagine that they're on Michael J. Fox's side. He is, in the, at least in this episode, mostly a caricature mm-hmm. of, a, of a real human being. I, I thought... My understanding was he was mostly a caricature throughout the series, like I mean, like you know, kind of like one-liners, this and that. And like I wrote in my notes, I wrote down like (laughs) sort of like an early court Colbert. That's a good type type of character. Yeah, where he he is speaking and and speaking with the language and and hitting all the points, but in this manner which Mm -hmm. undermines it Mm -hmm. and it like tears it not. Yeah, it tears it down or like shows you what the words really mean and mm-hmm. not yeah, these listen. concepts that are just like Yeah, and I think that I think this show is well written because mm-hmm. it, it pulled off a lot of those things because they were also uh they were also showing how ridiculous it is to be, you know, that liberal or taking care like the last Sure. She, she needs to drop one of her causes and so the cause that she drops to spend more time with her husband is what is it pets without partners pets without partners and so it's just like they're they're exaggerating both sides to uh to kind of make a point of yeah but but you can tell the heart is with the liberals because the show ultimately makes space for her endeavors Mm -hmm. like you know that is sort of interesting how um her busyness he he comes to understand it and accept it and and find space for it um only it, because he wants to have sex <laughs> that is true they do walk up the stairs at the end. but yeah. you know in other ways it could have been like she you know she's not asked to compromise in this right, episode right. which is kind of cool usually you know like the standard thing is they both compromise a little bit everyone feels good about themselves and progress is mm-hmm. made um, which goes back to another point that they, when they joked about the Egret's regret, uh, uh, Michael J. Fox complains that it didn't show both sides of the story, which right. is a really funny comment to make. But that's been a lib- uh, conservative uh, uh, argument for the longest time. And they will constantly he, say that both sides of an issue are not being shown. But what they, they mean that what, joke twice. Yeah, but, yes. but what they mean is, and this is sort of goes back to sitcoms is when they say both sides, they say something like, then the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? This is a great conservative argument. There's evolution, and then there's the other side. Mm-hmm. As if evolution is equivalent to creationism, right. and the answer is somewhere in the middle. That's a wonderful uh, conservative line. That'd be great he uses true. it, and in this show, she doesn't have to do that. She doesn't mm-hmm. have to follow that logic of that both sides of the country. She's in the right. She's doing good work. She's staying right. busy. He wants something. Well, he has to sort of work and find the space well, for it. And it but, and it's also interesting because, like, take it from this perspective, if he didn't win that award that evening, mm-hmm. he would have come home and not cared. 
Yeah. You know, or, you know, like, oh, you guys are working, cool, I'm going to go read Faust or whatever bullshit. <laughs> uh, you know, like, and it wasn't, you know, not, but it's like this this selfish thing where you're like, oh, I, I really need someone to pat me on the back because yeah. I did something good. Yeah. And, which is interesting because, like, she's not looking for the pat on the back. She's yeah. like, just doing these things mm-hmm. to get them done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the male ego is shown to be sort of uh, fragile. vulnerable and fragile and a little pathetic. At one point, yeah. he, like, leaves uh, during their dinner, which gets interrupted, and apparently walks in the rain for three hours, and he comes like back. Like a moat. Like, like a total, like a... Like yeah. Igor, like, yeah. fucking, like... Ooh. And refusing to change his clothes when he gets <laughs> yeah. back, yeah. Yeah, like, stamping his foot a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's pretty innovative stuff, I feel like. Which, um, I mean, I, like, I thought it was, like, there wasn't a boring minute. Like, it was funny. Yeah. It was funny. They kept really smart, very tight, very well written. Or like the the little girl when she's like, the uh, the older sister's like, you don't even know what yoga class is, and she's like, I don't know what sex is, but I went to sex ed class. Like, like, they're just witty. Yeah, Yeah, everyone everyone got some lines. Yeah, and everyone yeah everyone had a line that I think we all laughed at. Yeah, yeah. So they were generous with the laughter. There were there were some there were. They, they they were both generous with viewpoints, but clear on what was right, which is sort of hard to do, right? Like, you want to be sympathetic to everyone's viewpoint, but you still have to know what the right way to do mm-hmm. something is. Um, and they seem to achieve that balance pretty well. Um, all right, so why don't, uh, any other points before we sort of think about where it would fit in in the modern day? So yeah, let me let me go there right now. Then, um, do you think uh, do you think people were more sort of interested in politics back then than they are now? No one is so overtly, no show that I can think of right now is as overtly political uh, in as this show is. Um, what do you mean, like sitcom, not like Colbert sitcom. and Daily Show? Yeah, there's been that whole growth of cable mm-hmm. uh, news and then cable satire. I think you'll find like uh, I don't want to get the names of these shows messed up, but like it's like What's All in the Family or American Family or like there's the one with, there's the gay couple next door. Oh, oh Modern Family. Modern Family, where I feel like I mean they're pushing some of the issues of today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but the people Where's in it are apolitical. There's no one in there that stands okay, yeah. for anything controversial or interesting or important. They are like rich Californians who accepted gay culture, and that's that's not a political issue at this point. It's I've, just I've seen twenty minutes of one episode. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Saw. Yeah, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's like a Judd Apatow version of reality. Um, but uh, but I don't I don't think I know any shows right now that I can't think of one that sort of what tackling. about Blackish? Blackish doesn't really get into they get into sort of issues that affect the African American perspective, but they're not they're about cultural identity rather than about like the what issues are important mm-hmm. politically. Uh, there is no show with an activist, let's say, mm-hmm. right? Like there's no show where one character is an organizer or worked up about issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are. Just yeah, I can't think, it, but I can't think of one, and because I, can't I think couldn't of a, even think of how that could be interesting too 
yeah, we have, we have we have this culture where people like you say politics is dumb and no no one challenges it anymore because it's sort of a given. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing conservatives have achieved. They have made politics dumb, mm-hmm. and they have taken all sort of public service out of it. They have people put in people like Sarah Palin who have demeaned it, and they've allowed people to get away with saying like Washington is terrible. Everyone's an idiot. They're all crooks. That's how it is. No one should bother with it. And while people have done that, they have fucking ruined this country. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like look away while we fucking like destroy uh, this country. I guess that tells you what were my viewpoints. Yeah, I, and I hear what you're saying, but and it's interesting because all I can say is like, okay, then if that's what their plan was, and they were super smart and they won, because yeah. like, I don't give a fuck. Exactly. And, like, and it seemed like okay, the whole thing's fucking broken, and I, yeah. I don't even want to begin to have a part in it. Like, leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, cynicism of okay. politics is is so helpful if you are up to something else, but if you're up to sort of big liberal projects like you know healthcare or like let's say community college or something, you need people engaged because you need to get it across the finish line. But if your thing is like let's pass more tax cuts for companies or let's start secret wars and all that, you want people to stop paying attention. So anytime I hear someone who's cynical about politics, I'd be like, well, it comes at a high cost, and you your cynicism is cheaper than the cost you're paying uh, on the other end, where your rights aren't being protected. Also, you have to you, know, you have to participate in the boring. Like that's what's cool about her. She's participating on the boring side of politics, which people don't do anymore. People right. don't go out. You know, like maybe they never did, but you know, get, uh, calling your like she has all her friends calling the council members to vote one way or another. Uh, that stuff is all just looked down upon now, and I feel like that's a that's a conservative achievement that they have uh, been able to pull off on this country. But I also think that it's. Um an achievement of that day, like today, women work more, so they don't have time to. I don't know what her job is. That mm-hmm. wasn't clear in this episode, but she had time to have all these causes, instead of today, where well, see, women are making like more money than the. Well, women and men, though. I mean, it, it, no one's at least on TV or maybe in real life are as engaged. Mm-hmm. But you know, then again, I, I'm always wary of like painting the past as on this better version of. The present day, so I don't think it was happening then. I don't think either. it was. I think why this was made was because they came from the 60s and 70s to a crashing halt of That's the 80s. True. Yeah, we're in a very we're decline or or going uphill, whatever way you want to look at it, is slow. So we're not seeing the the difference to make a sh- dramatic show about it. That's yeah. why there isn't. Uh, so much in the television, I think. I don't know. Because we're bored with it. Because it's been a similar... Also, you know, like... This is, like, is a very lazy perspective. But it's like... You, you see what has happened. You see how your vote and what you voted for has not affected any change. And, like, shit happens anyways. And you're like, well, fuck it. Like, why participate if it's not... Yeah, but I, I always find that perspective interesting because it's almost, it, it seems to be like I made a wish to Santa and it didn't come true immediately, so none of it's real anymore. So I stopped writing to Santa. Yeah, it's yes. like, well, no, like, if you know anything about anything hard or big that happens, it takes a little bit of focus 
it takes some time. And people say like, you know, like oh, uh, <laughs> the, the the comedian that opened for uh, for uh, Louis C.K. and Madison's Garden, and uh, he was hilarious. And at one point, he's like, you know, he's like, I love Obama. And like you could tell, this very large white audience at Madison's Garden, like was uncomfortable and then he was like and then he sort of continued on about it and he was like you know like and you know the, the, he's like he's like you know and he talked about the disappointment with Obama and he's like you know or as I call them white people like this this thing where it's like politics disappoints you even that whole bargain seems very like childlike like uh-huh. politics is there to like fulfill your like uh, you know your 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 feelings about Santa Claus or something like no, politics is like anything else. Like, you want to have a career, it's a ton of fucking messiness. It's hard work, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, it feels like the part of the infantilization of the American public where it's like, oh, I, I wished for this magical thing to happen, and I went one day to vote for 10 minutes, and tomorrow it wasn't true, and now, oh no, I can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> My poor feelings have been hurt. I, 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 they were, they were hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're not talking about this show anymore. So well, I was uh, I saw U two in DC. Ooh, this and isn't like, you talking U two to me. Yeah, well, <laughs> wait, well, like, and you know, Bono gets out there and he's oh, very God. political and and not in a very comfortable way. Yeah, he's like, in a different type of Republicans, <laughs> and oddly enough, Republicans love you too. Like, they love his music. They love... Because it's Americana in a way, right? And, and so it's in D.C. And like, I mean, the 90% of the audience is white, and they're yeah. all like professionals in Washington, D.C. Like, and he came out and he was talking about like something very political and like, how the U.S. needed to, like, fucking get off their asses and, like, save these people who were being slaves and, like, somewhere else in the world. And he had, like, photos, like, being displayed in the whole place. Just, like, went to this very uncomfortable quiet where it's, like, before the energy had been high, mm-hmm. people were, like, taking their yeah. phones out and flashing them, you know? <laughs> that whole thing. And, like, he gets onto this thing and the whole place is just, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I went to a fundraiser with my sister... Uh, for school and it was a, a, at a it was a comedian uh, it was at a comedy show and that was how they did the fundraiser but the comedian I suppose the comedian knew that it was a fundraiser and like everyone there was in the one percent most likely and this is like when the wall sh- like when everyone was very active and so many jokes were made and just it was just no, no giggles, nothing. They're just like <laughs> nothing, like like Colbert right. at, the, yeah. at the Bush. Uh... Me, me. Yeah, they're like he's making fun of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to your face. And now yeah. we're supposed to write checks for this school. Yeah, <laughs> with your hands. <laughs> All right. Um, on that note, we're going to end for this episode. We're going to do a, a, the follow-up show, uh, which we're actually going to record today. Is going to be another family show. Um, so we'll be looking at uh, families in the 80s and, and uh, politics, at least in this uh, uh, series, seems to be a big part of it. And, you know, what it means to be liberal and conservative in the 80s and looking at it from the 2000s. Um, so that is really fascinating. So I hope you enjoyed our episode. Um, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. hope you had a good uh, break. And uh, we'll see you uh, when you turn us back on. There's our wonderful theme song. Will.